0: Welcome to Coffee with Kupke, a production of St. Paul Inside the Walls. Here on Coffee with Kupke, we grab a cup of coffee, at least we're claiming this is coffee. We sit with Monsignor Kupke, Raymond Kupke, the pastor of St. Anthony's in Hawthorne, professor at Immaculate Conception Seminary, diocesan archivist. We sit with Monsignor Kupke to delve into the history of Catholicism in the Diocese of Patterson, My name is Father Paul Manning. I am the vicar for evangelization for the Diocese of Patterson. And here I am with Monsignor Kupke. So grab your cup of coffee and let's jump right in. I'm going to take a sip. So, uh, Raymond, we are around Monsignor Kupke, I should be saying. Uh, uh, We are around uh, the year 1900, the turn of the century. Um, and we have, uh, I think, a a lot of Italians who have come to uh, uh, our diocese. In 1900, you say, one-fourth of the Italians were practicing their faith. Um, So here's my question. At the turn of the century, does the church in our diocese become predominantly Italian?
1: I would not say predominantly Italian, but it's the largest ethnic group. And I think probably by today, you know, of the European groups, it is the largest. Um, Being outflanked by the Latinos, but uh, at one point, you know, they were heavy presence in just about every parish in the diocese.
0: And uh, so you have one-fourth of them practicing their faith so uh uh, you know three out of four are not right what's that about
1: you have a group from northern italy who basically are anti-clerical and then from also the old papal states you have another anti-clerical group so uh, for many of them, it, this was something the women did, not the men. And the
0: anti-clericalism came about as, as a result of? the
1: Papacy um, being the the stoppage from Italy developing as a country. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, the papal states was, at the time, was considered to be one of the two most poorly run countries in Europe. Oh. Them and the Ottoman Empire Oh. and they both collapsed <laughs> okay. you know in, the, in this period but uh in the papal states you could not hold an office you know there was no civil service it was the clergy oh so sometimes, yeah people resented it yeah sometimes people without a vocation would enter the clergy simply for the security yeah of yeah. being postmaster
0: okay wow so um I have uh, Northern Italians versus Southern Italians. There's a, there's a kind of a difference in their religiosity.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. The Northern Italians are are uh, by and large do not emigrate. You know, uh, it's it's relatively rare to find a family in New Jersey that traces its roots to Milan or Venice or Turin. Okay. Uh, because these places are are economically vibrant and you know if you if you think of what we import from Italy all the stuff that we like to import all comes from northern Italy whether it's you know automobiles or tires or food or mm. fashion mm. or wine it's yeah. all you know northern yeah basically bologna north okay um, southern Italy is a poor agricultural area where in many of these communities, you know, a family may have been farming the same farm for four or 500 years. It's been subdivided yes. each time, over-farmed. Yeah. So it's a, it's a poor area. There's no work and, and, and a very likely source of immigration. Okay. But the Italians came over hesitantly. Um, Their immigration is different than most of the other European countries in in, in two ways. Um, They would come, only the men would come, work for a couple of years, go back then maybe a few years later come back again. Maybe on the third time they would decide to bring their family over. Oh. You know, so it, it skewers records of Italian immigration because some of them immigrated two, three times. Got it. Got um, it. So it's what they, they call birds of passage. They'd come over, work, make a few back. bucks, go back. Yeah. So that becomes problematic. And the other thing is that they they immigrated By neighborhoods and towns. So, you know, one guy would come over and then ultimately his cousins and neighbors would come over. So
0: you're having neighborhoods of of people from the same place in Italy.
1: There are families in East Hanover that have lived near each other for 300 years. Yeah. Because they came over from the same towns in Italy over to Newark. Yes, and then after the Newark riots, they moved to East Hanover. So some of those families have known each other for wow generations. Yeah. You know. So
0: you have a term campanalismo, campanalismo, yeah, which literally means
1: a campanile is a church bell, bell, tower. bell tower. Yeah, and um, basically, again, you have to remember that Italy as a country does not exist yet you know, uh, because of the papal states in the and, middle of the And peninsula. separate kingdoms, yeah. So the Italians do not have a sense of being Italian. They have, you know, for example, if somebody, if we were in, in in Mongolia, and they, you know, they asked where we're from, we would start with the United States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And work our way down, you know, all from New, New Jersey. Jersey. Uh, yeah. The Italians at this point are working in the other direction. You know, I'm from Apulia. Yeah. yeah I'm from, but not from Italy. So... When they come over, uh, the campanilismo thing in uh, the history of immigration is that basically your people are the ones who hear the same church bells that you do on Sunday. Yeah, that's Everybody else is an outsider. Yeah, got it, got it. So when you see immigration, you know, like when people talk about the uh, little Italy sections of the big cities, mm. if you really scratch Drill the down. surface, it's really like— little Genoa, little Rome, little Naples, because each street is basically a neighborhood moved from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: You have an interesting uh, uh, little section uh, in which you uh, designate Patterson or someone designates Patterson as the cradle of anarchy at Ah, this time. (laughs) So what's that about?
1: Well, because the uh, the silk workers went on strike, and basically it was it was felt that it was Italian anarchists from North Italy that helped to produce this strike. So you know, um, there was an assassination attempt in this period, I guess, against the King of Italy. Yes, and Gaetano actually,
0: Bresci. Yeah,
1: they actually came to Patterson. To do an inquiry an inquest, because they felt that one of the guys had fled over here, so yeah it was a a very um a very feisty group, yeah in some cases from italy
0: you you uh, said that i i don't know if you're talking about northern or southern towns but uh, the the immigrant immigrants were unaccompanied by clergy, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, um, more so than any other group. Um, the clergy
0: were not emigrating, immigrating to this country. You, know,
1: you, you you get into trouble for saying these things, but basically, some of the Southern Italian clergy were not zealous enough to follow their mm. flocks in yes. immigration, unlike the other groups. Yes. So this becomes a problem. This is why many of the Italian parishes in the New York metropolitan area uh, originally were handled by religious orders, mm. uh, the Scalabrinians and the Capuchins in particular, because uh, the native clergy are not coming over. They're- Do we still have Scalabrinians? Uh, yes, but not in New Jersey. Okay, I haven't uh, heard of that one before. Yeah, uh, okay. well, that group was formed entirely to, uh, this was, that group was formed around the same time as Mother Cabrini's mm. to work with Italian immigrants. Okay. Um, so, you know, they're not coming, and uh, it, will, it will become a big enough problem that the bishops in the Northeast will start to, like, beat and uh, over this issue like they're afraid that they're going to lose the Italians because to the Protestants because they're uncatechized and nobody wants to work with them
0: so i uh, you just brought up a point that i was going to make is it fair to say i was struck by the similarities between that this uh, wave of Italian immigration and uh, some of the things that we see with our Latino Hispanic population yeah, yeah. today, yeah. namely,
1: if you don't think the bishops have learned anything in a hundred years, you, <laughs> yeah. you know, you compare what they did back then to,
0: yeah. So uh, here are the similarities that I, I saw in reading about this. Um, the Italian uh, immigrants were not used to supporting their parishes because they were state funded, I guess. Yes, and yeah. that's uh, similar for many of our uh uh hispanic and latino populations right, right? they come right. from places where the church is state funded right second um they had particular popular devotions mm-hmm. right as as do our only Paul outdone by the
1: poles in that era
0: okay um the 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 established population was uncomfortable with them yes. right Uncomfortable with the Italians, and we see that with the, the yeah. uh, attitude toward our Hispanic and Latino communities sometimes. Right. And uh, the fear that they would be evangelized by Protestants. Yeah. And in fact, I think that happens a lot in our country.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in the Newark diocese, um, there was a point where the Italian population— was served by the cream of the crop in the New York clergy because anybody who went to study in Rome Mm. to the North American College, their first assignment would be in one of the Italian parishes because they could speak Italian. Like Bishop John Doherty, the later auxiliary bishop, you know, president of Seton Hall, his only pastoral assignment was at De Monte Virgini in Garfield as a newly ordained priest because Uh. he could speak Italian.
0: Yes. So... I was surprised to find out that Sacred Heart in Clifton was originally Italian. Is that right? Still is on paper. Okay. So, in connection with Sacred Heart in Clifton, maybe you want to talk about the two Chanchis?
1: Well, they're not connected to Sacred Heart. Oh, they're not? Uh, I'm sorry,
0: Michaels. Yeah. All right. So, my notes, I I blew it. But anyway, let's talk about them. Italian clergy, correct? Mm -hmm.
1: We were lucky. Um, Felice Chanchi comes over. He was originally, I believe, a Scalabrinian. Oh,
0: okay. I have heard of him.
1: But he comes over and uh, basically takes over founding, starting off St. Michael's in Patterson. You know, one of, the, one of the interesting details in this immigration, you know, If you read the history of the cathedral in Patterson, it mentions that Dean McNulty graciously loaned the Lady Chapel to each wave of immigrants as they came over. You know, the Poles, the Syrians, Mm -hmm. until they could get on their feet and, you know. And that Lady Chapel is not... Very big. Well, if if you read the parish histories of St. Michael's, St. Anne's, St. Stephen's, St. Cashmere's, they have a different take on the same story. They say that miserable Irish priest <laughs> would not let us in church because we didn't give enough oh, money. Oh, wow. So they, they had to go that us to that chapel. go into that miserable chapel <laughs> okay. until finally we got tired of it and built our own place. Wow,
0: so, okay. So ooh, there's two sides to every there's story. There's two sides
1: of every story, right? Yeah. But— yeah. This is also when a what is really a kind of an American thing. Uh, I keep saying I'm going to write an article about this someday, but it's probably um, in the footnotes. Yeah, um, exchanging church property. Like many of these ethnic groups, start out by buying a Protestant church. Yes, uh, like St. Michael's buys the Cross Street Methodist Church. You know, as as. The downtown areas are emptying of Protestants. You know, they sell their church to whoever's coming in next, and, uh, yeah. and and so you know, it it works out very well. I
0: actually think you have a photo of a, a little uh, wooden structure, and then the the big twin towers of yeah, St. Michael's the, behind it. Right, yeah. right. So St. Michael's is is uh, 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 pastored by uh,
1: Felice. First, briefly by Felice Gianchi. Yes. Then his nephew, Carlo Cianci. Carlo yeah. So how does that happen? That it that? Uh, well, you know, the same way Italian immigration. <laughs> you know, it's all family, know, here. la familia. Yeah. And so, so he brings his nephew over, who's a priest at this point. Who's a priest, uh, a small diocese. If I remember the story correctly, uh, the diocese that he's come from, even today, only has sixty thousand Catholics. Mm. In southern Italy, in Basilicata, one of those regions. And he's like the third curate in one of these parishes, and there's nothing to do, and he's frustrated. So Uncle Felice says, Come over. Yeah. So, and, and of course, the rest of the family, too. You know, his family is still present in Paterson, in the area. But he comes over then, and he spends like a half century uh, at St. Michael. starts out. He's the first pastor, I believe, at Blessed Sacrament. Okay. And then when Felice leaves St. Michael's, he succeeds him there and becomes... Legendary. Legendary, yes, because yes. he's the one who helps the Salesian sisters oh. come over. You know, Their first mother house is on the parish property in downtown Patterson. They run his school... Um, yeah, you know, if if you remember the many times that we were in uh, Sacred Heart Center in Newton, you yeah, know, the, the main Salesian altar place. is donated by oh, Carlo yes. Chanshi. Yeah, I forgot that. You know, yeah. So there, this so that's is a, the the nephew. Yeah. yeah. This, so that was a whole. Um,
0: well, I have a note here that uh, Felice knew
1: Don Bosco.
0: Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Personally,
1: yes. Wow. Sure, because Don Bosco would be the late 19th century in in Italy. So uh,
0: I don't know if you can pull this uh, off the top of your head, but Felice dies around when?
1: I don't remember when Felice dies. How about Carlo? Not until the 1960s.
0: All right, so I uh, was a summer seminarian with Monsignor Joseph Gallo at St. Philip's in Clifton, and he would tell stories about Carlo Chanchi. His
1: Chanchi stories were legendary. (laughs) Do you remember any of them? Oh, I do. The funniest one to me is that... uh, Carl, uh, Joe Gallo, as a very young age, was made a monsignor. Basically, McNulty, Bishop McNulty, um, made the heads of all the diocesan departments, monsignors. So Joe was in charge of continuing education of the clergy. OK And on the strength of that, at like 40, he Maybe was made: monsignor. a Monsignor.: Honorary a chaplain, named yeah. papal chamberlain. Joe thought that this meant he was about to be made a pastor, and he brought it up with McNulty, and McNulty says, no, we don't have anything open. It's just, you know, you're heading of the department, it seems. So he's still curate to Chanchi. Oh, boy. Chanchi's take on this is that because he is the highest level of Monsignor, he's a proto-notary apostolic. Yes. That they have run out of ways to honor him. Oh, (laughs) So (laughs) they make his curate exactly. Wow, exactly. Chanchi's take on it was that Joe was made a Monsignor so that he could be the only pastor in New Jersey that had a Monsignor as a curate.
0: Wow, wow. And Chanchi was a big personality, yes, yeah,
1: yeah. He was very much um, the father of a family, you know, Mm. Um,
0: but a strict father of a family, or or yeah, but also,
1: but also, he. Helped an entire two or three generations of Italian immigrants become American, mm-hmm. get an education through St. Michael's School. Um, you know, in, in my lifetime, I've lived with Joe Gallo, yeah. Joe Ferrito, who came from that parish. Okay. And now yeah. my 93-year-old weekday altar server, Gene Morbido, comes from this parish and between them, you know, the Chanchi stories are wild, but at the same time, very respectful. You know, Yeah, they, yeah. This was the the paterfamilias of— He um, was a character. He was—absolutely.
0: Yeah. A uh, street is named after him, yes?
1: The street that St. Michael's is, yeah. Is Chanchi Street. Chanchi Street. Yeah. He also had a longstanding feud with— um, the pastor of St. Mary's in Patterson, his neighbor. Who would have been? John Brady. Okay, an Irish guy. Right. So, you know, as, as the, I mean, this is America, you know, Chanchi is doing such a good job educating them, giving them the tools to move up. So they're moving up into St. Mary's Parish, oh. into the total section okay. of Patterson and you know, Chanchi and Brady are fighting. Oh, you know, family by family. You know, yes. Like, yeah. Um, a a family will decide to be married in St. Mary's, and Chanchi will scream. You know, uh, you're taking my you're people. You're taking my people. You yeah. know, and Brady said, "But they live here." Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's back and forth. So finally, Chanchi, You know, you'd, lo- you'd love to get him on this microphone and get his take on this, <laughs> yeah. but he does an end run around Brady that nearly gave Brady a heart attack. Um, because, <laughs> and in front around Brady, that sounds very contemporary. Okay, go ahead. Well, basically, because St. Michael's is an ethnic parish, it has no boundaries. You know, it, it serves the Italians and Patterson wherever they are. Okay. So he builds a uh, chapel on the other side of Brady's church, St. Gerard's. Oh, my. Wow. You know, that was originally a mission of St. Michael's. and
0: Oh, my gosh, yeah. yeah. So when you look at the geography, yes. at St. Michael's, then you have St. Mary's, and then beyond, yes. he builds St. Up, Gerard's.
1: Up, moving up towards uh, <laughs> yeah. Totowa and up towards the Haldon and everything, he builds St. Gerard's uh, <laughs> surrounding Brady. Yeah, know?
0: it's like the Wild West almost. Oh, yeah. yeah, up yeah, in, yeah. yeah. I
1: mean, this wow. is... This is an era when men were men. You yeah, know I mean? yeah. Let me
0: just th- we're going to end with this. And next time we're going to talk about the polls. We're going to get to the polls, but um, uh, is, is Chanchi on the, on the level of McNulty? I mean, nobody's on the level of McNulty, but you have Farmer, you have McNulty we've talked about. Is yeah. he one of the greats?
1: Yes. Yeah. In terms of, 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 Endurance in terms of longevity, yeah. and in terms of, of pastoral service, yeah, yeah, really. The other one in this period who we have not spoken about at all, and kind of succeeds McNulty toward the end of Mcnulty's you know McNulty was getting into his 90s when yeah. he died. Yeah. But Anthony Stein, okay. Uh, who died a little bit young. But Stein helped to negotiate the Silk Strike. Uh, He was the president of the Patterson Chamber of Commerce at one point. Okay. You know, he kind of picked up the... The mantle. Yeah, the the, the municipal presence mantle that uh, McNulty had.
0: Okay. So next time, we will continue our discussion of the waves of immigration and how they impacted the church in the Diocese of Patterson. Good. Let's leave it there. I want all of you who are listening or watching to make sure that you keep an eye out or an ear out for the next episode of Coffee with Kupke. In order to stay on top of new releases, make sure you follow or subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you are on YouTube, please do drop a like and hit the bell for notifications. While you're at it, make sure to check out the other shows produced by the Diocese. Those shows are Beyond the Beacon, hosted by Bishop Kevin Sweeney and Jay Agnish, our Director of Communications, and The Paul Street Journal, hosted by Brian Hansberger and Freddie Garcia. I want to give a special thanks to Joe Genexi, our sound and visual engineer, Caitlin Ferrari, who's involved in pre- and post-production, and Freddie Garcia, who's helping out with this podcast in addition to doing his own. With all that said, I just want to thank you for joining us in uh, Coffee with Kupke. Keep making Catholic history in the Diocese of Patterson.